These are true stories adapted and performed by actors in recovery, brought to you by the Improbable Players. Addiction has a sort of terrible rhyme, taking so many souls before their time. The disease tells me I'm different, special, unique. Only a bottle, pill, or needle can give what I seek. So next time you ask why you're not good enough, know that nothing beats that little baggie of stuff. Where does it start, and where does it end? That's what this story is all about, my friend. So, Alex, this is the third time you've been late to therapy. Yeah, so, um, I... According to the Center for Disease Control, over 47,000 souls perished due to drug overdose in these United States of America. That was in 20... Uh... Honey? What, Mom? Your appointment with Dr. Addison is in 27 minutes. Are you going? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'm going. I'm on my way. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, My mom needed help with something, so I lost track. Uh... I'll be on time next week. That's okay. Last time we talked about your home life and a bit about high school. I'm wondering, how did you get started? With what? With pills. Uh, I started in a hospital. I had my appendix out and they had me hooked up to a medicine drip and it made me really lightheaded. Uh, I liked that feeling. I tried to find it when I got out, and class had just gotten out uh, one day, I remember, in spring. Later, guys. Hey, Alex. I got my mom's car today. You want to ride home? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Hey, uh, you smoke, right? Like, not cigarettes? Uh, Yeah, I guess you could say that. Can I try it with you one of these days? Uh, I don't know. I felt nervous about it for a while, but I'm I'm curious. I, I can pay you for it. No, dude. First time's on me. All right. Let's do it. So where did it go from there? Oh, I looked for drugs everywhere. I mean, I did it all the time. I was obsessed. It was uh, humiliating. I I remember I was at this kid's house after prom, and of course I went to talk to Erica, but she was so cold. Hey, what's up? Yo, not much. What's happening with you? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, Hey, I was wondering if you had anything to liven up the party a little bit, if you know what I mean. I just brought enough for me, Alex. You didn't bring your own again? Uh, nope. Uh, I just assumed that, you know, you'd have some extra for me. (laughs) Yeah. Try somebody else. Uh, thanks for the tip. No problem. Daniela, how's it going? How are you? I'm good. 
Before you even ask, the answer is no. What do you mean? I just wanted to say hi. Uh-huh, sure. I don't have anything on me, Alex. Well, that's not why I came over. I, I Listen, I just wanted to, you Uh-huh. Know. Okay, do you know anyone who does? Uh, maybe someone who has access to a medicine cabinet? Or anything, really, at all? So predictable. Try Scott. Thank you. Very helpful. Hey, it's Scott, right? Do you have a minute? What do you want? Uh, well, I just heard that you might be dealing tonight. Man, I don't know you. Okay, I, I know that. It's just that Daniela had said that I you... don't care what Daniela said. I don't have anything for you, bro. Okay, okay, I get it. You only talk to your friends. If I were to get Daniela and she introduced me, would that work for you? Get out of like... here. All right, I will leave you alone. Didn't mean to bother you. No, I mean get out of here. This is my buddy's house. I can talk to him about all these questions you're asking, or you can spare yourself the embarrassment and leave now. Oh, this party is so stupid! You know, I really hate you. You're a loser, a failure. You smell bad, you're fat and pale. You're a fake. Every time you smile, you lie. Every time you tell your mom you're doing fine, you lie. Every time you tell her you got a therapist or that the meds are working, you lie. You don't care about anyone except drugs and depression. You'll never amount to anything. You're a useless pothead who knows how to talk a doctor into a script now and then. Soon you're going to be a useless dropout pothead, maybe dead. The world would be better off without you. So was that it for you? Did that make you stop? We just start with introducing who we are. And so I'm interviewing you. Yeah. Because you are at, who are you, Alex in that thing? Yeah, I'm I Alex. Say that, but yeah. Okay. Do you want to just introduce yourself? I'm Elizabeth Addison, and I play the therapist in Alex's story. And my name is Andy Short, and I play Alex. So I'm just curious, like, what is it like sort of hearing your story like that? Yeah, it's, uh, so... 
So just for some context, so we the way we work is uh, we collect stories from real people who have been through addiction, and then we put them on stage, basically. And this story was my story. Um, it's weird. It's like, uh, you know, because when you're acting, it's so you're you're supposed to be very present and in the moment. And I try to do that to the best of my ability, but that like it being my story, it feels like I'm looking at it from the outside a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cause we, and we both contributed to the writing of it. I don't know how you feel it. Well, I think that there are certain moments in end of the line, uh, that I can relate to, but I think that I can relate to them because I'm an addict. Right. Yeah. Um, so there are certain shared experiences, even if they didn't look exactly the same. Uh, so sometimes when I'm having a moment, um, uh, of something that I did, um, it is sort of like an outer body experience because yes, as an actor, you're supposed to be in the moment, you're supposed to be present. Uh, but I do have that like, oh, I can see myself even just for a second. I can almost see myself doing whatever that thing is that I'm acting out. Totally. Um, it is a little trippy. In my, yeah, like my story is like that the whole way through. Cause like there are some moments that are weird cause they didn't happen quite that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's this party scene where I like yell in the middle of the party and uh i'm afraid i as a as a young man had far too much anxiety socially to actually scream in a party setting but Ew. i was trying to express like trying to express my what it felt like to be in like that situation in a place where i would needed a fix and couldn't get it mm -hmm. you know the like screaming inside but there's no way to show it unless you just kind of do it out loud you know what i mean mm -hmm. see and there i was envisioning you screaming i hope you don't feel misled i kind of feel a little misled andy short <laughs> so sorry hmm. um but no it's it, it completely makes sense in terms of that feeling when you don't have uh, and you're active, it, it hurts. And so that sort of guttural, that sort of scream, I think is super necessary. Yeah, your your whole body and brain hurts. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it often, sometimes, I mean, this is kind of gross, but I talk about it feeling like like I have no skin, like every nerve ending is was open. That's mm -hmm. what it felt like, especially being in an addiction and uh, being like really trapped by it and not being able to like scratch that itch, mm. you know? Um, and so it's, it's weird cause I'm revisiting those feelings and I don't, they're not my reality anymore. You know, it's the weird thing about addiction as I'm sure you know, is like that seemed like my whole world, like that feeling of like staring at a mirror and f being filled to the brim with like self-pity and depression and that was my experience of it so andy at the end of the story you hit bottom so what happened next uh so for me bottom looked like very much like that moment at the end when i'm looking in a mirror i remember that moment like i was standing in front of my mirror in my dorm room and I felt like my world was totally over, um, that I was totally trapped, that like I had alienated everyone in my life uh, with my addiction and like pushed everyone away and lied to too many people. And, um, and then I was politely asked to leave college 
Uh, what did that feel like? That moment when you were asked to leave college? Oh man, I was so defeated. Mm. You know, I was just totally defeated. I had no fight left. And for a while I fought it. And I think I did that by not being honest with myself or other people about how much I was using, you know, it always would, you know, from any perspective, it seems so crazy to like lie to a therapist or lie to your parents. If you have like a good relationship with your parents, which I did, um, about like what, uh, what, how my mental health is, but I would do that because I didn't want to admit to myself you know? Exactly. That's what I was getting at, you know, because we don't want to admit that, you know, and also if we admit that there's something wrong with us, one, oh my God, there's something wrong with us. Right. And two, now we actually have to do something about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and taking that leap or getting into that sort of action. It, it, what does it look like? What would help look like? Uh, what would it feel like? It was, it's all very scary. You know, it's so unknown. And it's like, I don't even know, like, I don't, and like I said, like there was so much defeat at the end. It's like, I don't even have the energy to do this. Like I don't have the energy to figure out another thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when I was asked to leave, my school had a wellness center. So I went to the wellness center and, uh, I talked to whatever counselor was on staff. I'd never talked to before. And I just like told her everything like everything that was going on in my head everything that i was feeling the addiction the lying to my you know therapist i had been seeing about my drug use um and uh and she said okay well you need to go to the hospital and so uh i went to a hospital for me um you know, that help took the form of like being in a psych ward for 15 days, which was scary. It's really scary. It's like a 20 year old to be in a psych ward. But, and if I had known that's what was going to happen, I don't know if I was going to ask for help, but it turns out and this like sounds really weird, but like being in that psych ward was the best thing that could have happened to me because it stopped the cycle. Like it literally stopped the cycle. I could not get higher drunk anymore. And, uh, you know, I was in a very lucky situation. My parents had health insurance. I could go, uh, to a rehab and, uh, I did. And, you know, for a lot of people that there's a lot of relapse and back and forth. And I I just was really, really lucky and, and kind of stuck with recovery after that. Um, I still, to this day, don't necessarily know what I attribute that to necessarily. Um, Like I said, I think there's like a lot of privilege in my story and uh, that there were resources to just take advantage of. Right. Um, But that, you know, because I didn't have any like fight left when someone like handed me a branch to like pull me out of the depths of my addiction. Like I just like grabbed it and hung on. And Mm. uh, that's kind of what it felt like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that metaphor makes any sense. That metaphor makes sense. Yeah. And so where are you now? In terms of... Your recovery, life, all the things. <laughs> all the things. Uh, I'm still sober. I've been sober for eight years now, uh, as of July. Uh, and I have, like, things that I do. You know, I do this. Um, I love this kind of work. Uh, we've done a lot of shows together and had people come up to us after and be like, 
you know, that was me. Like that character was me. My, like I'm just like the daughter in this play, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. even necessarily people who have an addiction, but people who are affected by it. And I think there's something healing about that. Um, bearing witness in a way to the experience. And then there's also something that, um, that, that feeds me, feeds my soul, you know, to do that. Well, not to be so dramatic. I am dramatic, but we're all dramatic. We're, we're actors. We're actors and addicts. So, <laughs> come on, <laughs> it's double trouble. It really is. <laughs> so, so what it looks like now is I do a lot more trying to take and collect and shape these stories into something that are useful for people. And then I also ride a bicycle a lot. Like that's like the primary under other thing I do. It's like a real hobby. So like, I know I'm an adult, you know, cause I have a hobby. I play video games. I like go out to eat with friends. Like life is pretty normal. And, and I think there was a time when I was scared of having a normal, boring life. And now I'm like overjoyed. It doesn't sound boring. It I, sounds peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's weird because seeing the story and like performing it, it kind of brings you back to that place a little bit. And there was just a time when it never would have occurred to me that I would live to be this, to be almost 30, you know, which is not old, but like that is like a little, that was a thought I had often Mm -hmm. uh, was that there's not a chance. And like now it's like, I really love my life and I love the people in it. And, uh, doing this work, telling stories. I thank you, Andy Shore. Thank you, Elizabeth Addison. You've been listening to a production of Improbable Players. This episode is part one of our play, End of the Line, which addresses the opioid epidemic. We use theater performances, workshops, and podcasts to address drug addiction. Improbable Players is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we've performed for over 1 million people and employed over 200 actors in recovery. To bring us to your community or to get involved, please visit improbableplayers.org. <laughs>